Today in the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about three dangerous leadership mistakes. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. Good to be back with you guys. Yes, yes, yes. We are. Uh, we just finished our 10 episodes on the characteristics of a healthy church. And uh, yeah. so now we're moving into new waters. New territory. New waters. It's scary. New waters. We don't know what to expect. We're diving into new... There's sharks. Water. Sharks in the water. But we're doing it. Are you a um, Shark Week fan? Uh I don't watch any of it, but Same. I do think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I love the idea of it, yes. and then I never watch it. <laughs> True fact about me, my number one fear is sharks. Really? Yes. I thought it was missing the rapture. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my number one spiritual fear, yeah. Sharks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I guess if I was in the water and there were sharks around me, it would be my number one fear, but I'm never around sharks, so it's to me it's not really a fear that I ever think of. Like if you were to say, what are your top fears? I would never think of sharks because I'm never going to be near sharks. Well, I didn't think to list disapproval as one of the top fears, which I know would be yours. <laughs> but no, I mean, listen, they're silent. They can kill you. You're in their territory. Now, it doesn't keep me out of the ocean. I still love the ocean, yeah. but I'm always hearing that didn't. <laughs> didn't. Even when I'm in my pool, I hear it sometimes in my head. Well, that's a problem then. <laughs> All right, well, we're back. We're excited. What do we got going today, Dave? Well, we're going to um, talk a little bit about leadership today. And there's a leadership event that happens every year called the Global Leadership Summit. And uh, this year, you and I are both keynote speakers, which is pretty awesome. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. They heard about the Multiply podcast. Yeah. So we're going to be up there with uh, Patrick Lencioni and Craig Grishel and yeah. those guys. And actually, they're kind of opening for us. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be nice. It's, yeah. It's cool. So hope you guys see us there. <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners are like, oh, my goodness, these guys are going to be at the Global Leadership Summit. No, we well, might attend it. By be there, we yeah. mean we've watched it before. Yeah. Uh, the Global Leadership uh, Summit is something that's simulcast all over the country at the same time. Actually, I think all over the world. Yeah. I haven't, I, I'm not one of those guys that goes every single year. I have some friends that go every year, and I think I just forget. And it's always in August, so sometimes it's a tough, a tough time because you're vacationing or whatever. But yeah. um, uh, by the time you're listening to this, by the way, the 2019 one is already over. But I think you can go back and watch online. And they have a podcast also. Not that you have time for other podcasts because— No, don't even— go there just stay with us don't bother and certainly don't look for ron burgundy's podcast because that won't be funny or interesting to you at all (laughs) um but i remember it was five years ago patrick lencioni um uh was a bit of a leadership guru author you know i mean if you don't know who patrick lencioni is just google him um he gave a talk called the three most dangerous mistakes leaders make and i remember taking notes and it stuck with me and I went online and I, I uh, just kind of found the, the talk again, and, and I thought it would be a good thing for us to focus on today. So um, we'll dive right in, and I'll just kind of set us up with the first one here, and, and we'll go from there. So um, what, what do you think s- you should do along the way is to admit and share with us when you made each one of these mistakes. Oh, okay. So the first one is, is choosing bad co-hosts. <laughs> so let me tell you about what... <laughs> The first mistake that, uh, and he calls these dangerous mistakes. So they're not just mistakes, but they're mistakes that have implications and ramifications for you and your team. The first one he talks about is leaders who lead for the wrong reasons. Um, 
And he listed things like notoriety, people who lead because they want to be famous, people who lead because they want money, people who lead for the title, who lead for the benefits of being a leader. And um, I think even within the church world where you and I um, lead, uh, leadership has kind of become the you know, the focus, the emphasis, the sexy thing to say, like, let's go to a leadership training. Let's talk about leadership. Let's develop better leaders. And we're obviously committed to it as we're doing a podcast on leadership. But it needs to be said that some people go into leadership for the wrong reasons with the wrong motivations. And um, in your experience, what is that? What are some of what can that look like? How does that impact the way that you lead and the people that you lead? Yeah, we actually, Dave and I just got back from a large conference we're part of the assemblies of god and every two years they do a large conference called general council and um actually while we were there it struck me because we're going to different breakout sessions and it's all leaders and mostly all church pastors and but um it struck me that how uh, how easy the temptation to become better at those things is the motivation is not to um, just be a better pastor, but it's to be a better leader as you're perceived by other people around you, you know? And I even I even realized it a little bit in my own heart. Like, I think there's that, that temptation that as leadership becomes more valuable, more people are writing about it, talking about it. It's like, hey, this really matters, and it does. If we're not careful, the motivation of our own heart is to, um, to try to be better at it because we want approval from the people around us. We want to be able to say, I'm great at this. And we forget the original mission of why we got into doing what we're doing. So if it's pastoring, uh, or, or even if you're in just some other leadership area to help people to serve your business, like we quickly forget the mission and we make it really about a, a goal to, um, for a lot of people, and, and I'd probably fall into this boat, to find approval from the people mm. around us, right? Yeah, I think leading a church that's growing, that's making news, that's that's sort of like a mover and a shaker, and I think it becomes the ultimate um, resume builder in some people's mindsets. Like this proves my value, my worth, proves um, why I was selected, it proves why I'm in this position, and that can be a real dangerous place to be because um, you kind of mentioned that in, in our circle sometimes it's like being a great leader is – more important or more um, coveted than being a great pastor. So let me ask you, when you think of the metrics of a leader and the metrics of a pastor, there's obviously some crossover. And we're not saying that uh, you don't need both, but they are different things. And so if you just say, like, here's here's some of the top metrics of a good pastor versus here's some of the top metrics of someone who's just a good leader, what would you say some of those differences are? Well, I mean, when you're talking about a pastor, you're talking about you kind of bring the God factor in, right? And oftentimes in leadership, you can have leadership without that being a part of it. Mm-hmm. So as a pastor, you're saying, I'm accountable to God, which um, means I'm accountable to make disciples. I'm accountable to steward the um, the the spiritual opportunities that God has given me and the people that are there. Um, oftentimes, I think in pastoring, um, and this could be true of leadership too, but there's um, a lot of little moments that aren't publicized that no one would know about. Um, even sometimes moments of just you being alone with God. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's very unique, I think, in pastoring and in Christianity is like the most important thing is not what you do from a stage or not what flow chart you drop or 
but the most important thing is you spending time with God, you knowing God, you knowing his heart and being led by him. Yeah, who you are when you're alone. Yeah. Yeah, I think for pastors, obviously, some of the things that I think of success metrics, of course, is faithfulness to the scriptures and faithfulness to um, teaching the scriptures in a way that is formative in people's lives. Um, being um, being a presence in the community uh, in ways that are seen and unseen, you know, um, being in people's lives and, and being in the messiness of people's lives. And, and I know that that changes a little bit as churches grow sometimes, and that's a whole other conversation, how, how biblical or healthy that is. Um, you know, as churches get bigger, pastors can't be in everybody's life, and I understand that, and that's why we equip people to do the work of ministry and, and sort of reject this, like, professional ministers do all the ministry and the lay people receive all the ministry. So I'm not saying that pastors have to do all the ministry, but at some point, how do you lead people, teach people, disciple people if you aren't in their lives? Yeah. How do you do it from a distance? How do you do it from behind your office doors? How do you do it when you're, uh, you know, sort of riding the speak the speaking circuit in other places and only popping back into your church on weekends to preach? You know, I don't have anybody in mind when I say that, but churches can get to that. Leaders can get to that point if they love leadership more than they love people. And I think I remember sure. James Bradford, uh, who's a, a pastor in, in Springfield, Missouri, he said that uh, recently at a leadership training that we were at together, that one we actually did speak at and because uh, it was a small little thing. Um, and uh, But at that one, uh, he said, I'm afraid that we love leadership more than we love people. He might have said, I'm afraid that we love leadership more than we love Jesus. Uh, but both are... True. You know, spot on. Yeah, and I think some people go into leadership because they want to be known as a leader, but not because they really want to make a difference. I mean, they wouldn't say that, but at the end of the day, they would sacrifice making a small difference. Um, you know, and be, not being known as a leader for being known as a leader and not really making much of a difference. You think it's more? I, I sometimes think that the, the greater danger is not people going into leadership for that reason, but people um, drifting once they're in leadership. Yeah, it's probably it's it's probably both. I mean, it's probably some people go in, you know, this is a self-awareness issue. Do you really know why you want to be a leader? You know, everybody any everybody knows the right answers. I want to help people and develop people. But ultimately, how you lead reveals why you're leading. Yeah. Right? And so if you're leading in a way that's not empowering other people and pushing people forward. I remember in this talk Patrick Lencioni said, "I'm tired of hearing about servant leadership." And everybody's kind of like, huh? And then he said, there's no, there's nothing else. There's no other type of leadership. Like, stop talking about servant leadership. Like, it's one category of leadership. He said, all of leadership is basically sacrificing yourself for the good of other people. And, you know, doing what you can to see other people win, succeed, grow, be healthy. So to get back to your question, I do think that you can go into it with good intentions. And then just like anything, you get a taste of it. And you start going to these conferences and you start seeing the guys that and the ladies who have influence. And then maybe you do something that works and then you get a platform. And then you and the next thing you know, you just kind of like sucked into that cycle of like influence and power. So much of it is about what's celebrated around you. So if you live, if you're part of a group of people that take pastors, for example, that the highest value is is preaching and teaching the Bible then you could sometimes care less about leadership. Right. It's like I just want to be the best Bible teacher there is. And uh, but I think to your point earlier, in a lot of church circles now, leadership has become the top, the top goal. You know, the top thing. So I think even what we've seen, and um, is in our circles. Not and when I say our circles, I mean 
extended like you just ob- observe. There seems to be in a lot of ways a less emphasis on teaching and preaching the Bible well and more of an emphasis on leading an organization or being a CEO. Yeah. You know? I think that um, um, I, I agree. I, I think that it's in some areas of even like church, um, maybe church planting, you know, sometimes there might be a tendency. This is this I'm painting with a broad brush here, so I'm not speaking. You know, I'm just, just saying. Just say the name of who you're thinking. Okay. Just say it. Yeah. So Jared Berry. <laughs> um, sometimes in church planning, some of the conversations I hear around church planning is more focused on what type of leader they are than what type of a pastor are they, or are they an entrepreneur? Are they a mover? Are they a shaker? Are they a gatherer? All things that matter. All things that are important. And time has proven. If you have none of those gifts, you're really going to struggle, right? Yep. But at the same time, there's another side of the conversation is, um, are they biblical elders, according to Paul's writings? Um, how do they manage their homes? Um, are they hospitable? Are they generous? Um, are they faithful? Um, are they self-controlled? Uh, do, they, are they teach, do they have a teaching gift? Um, do they know how to walk people through suffering? Um, you know, so... I think that, uh, yes, sometimes it's just there's this draw to personality and to energy and to passion. And those things are so useful for the kingdom. And I would never want anybody who has those things to think that they should lay those things down. you got to use those things for the kingdom. But you have to also balance it out with um, really healthy spirituality, um, accountability, um, and then a sense of security that only comes from being in Christ. That allows you to lead, not to prove yourself, and allows you to lead not in ways to protect yourself, but allows you to lead from a place of this deep abiding sense of, um, I'm in Christ, and in Christ I'm accepted by the Father, and if I'm accepted by the Father, then it's not your approval that I need. And so, and that's a daily battle, of course. We, it's not like something you just check off a list and the rest of your life you got it. I mean, every morning you wake up and you battle with this, but I think it's the awareness of it. And it's the people in your life who are asking you those questions. And, you know, one of the biggest questions you have to keep asking yourself at every season of leadership is, why am I leading? And if I lost this title, would I lose my joy? Would I lose my sense of self? And if I was removed from this position or I had to step out of this position, could I still be satisfied being a child of God and just influencing the people that God gives to me to care and to and to, um, and to to love? So I, I do think that um, there there is a need for a more holistic, broader conversation within even the evangelical world when it comes to church leadership. Yeah. So Let's look at the second one. What do we got? Yeah. We so, got? so the first one was leaders who lead or who are leaders for the wrong reasons. And then the second one is this, uh, Patrick Lencioni talked about leaders who fail to embrace vulnerability. I think another word we could use there is like transparency. And, uh, let me just off the bat, ask you this. Um, you're a pretty transparent leader, and I know that's been your style. And um, you've uh, I share anything and everything. Yeah, some people would say TMI. <laughs> T M. You've been you've been hearing I. that from my wife, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, she's like, yeah. shut up. She, she said, I don't want to. She said, I don't want to say Jared's too transparent, but his initials are TMI. <laughs> um, in your experience, and you, and you are transparent accessible, vulnerable leader, especially with the people that you pull close to you. Um, what do you think per- keeps p- leaders from leading in a way that's transparent? What do you think uh, keeps leaders um, from being honest and real? 
I think it's insecurity is the biggest the biggest one. Um, I think there's this perception that, especially pastors, um, so pastors are the moral example to every person that's in their church in every possible way. Therefore, what they have to do is shield people from seeing any sort of um, real flaws. Mm -hmm. And by real flaws, I mean they'll share a little anecdote in their sermon about, yeah, on the, you know, the other day I... I spoke to my wife harshly and, oh, I, you know, and, and like, that's the example of the worst thing about them or something like that. Mm -hmm. And their perception is I'm helping everybody because I'm, I'm insulating them from, or I'm painting a picture of myself to them that will be helpful that they can achieve towards or strive towards being. But I think it actually ends up really hurting them because in our culture and time today, I think authenticity is one of the highest values and in the church world i think people 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 relate and connect to a preacher that they feel like is authentic or a pastor that they feel like i can relate to that yeah and so i think the insecurity of oh if they really knew me they won't follow me if they really knew me um i'd be giving them a bad example or i can't really share my struggles with them and of course there's you know you don't share everything obviously but um, TMI in the, <laughs> in the attempt to I I I think pastors usually are on the the way low end of not sharing enough about themselves sure. versus the other side. Craig Grishel is a um, pastor of a small little church in the Midwest. <laughs> He's got a little podcast. You probably haven't heard of it. Um, not that you have time for other podcasts, but uh, he always signs off on his leadership podcast by saying something like. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to butcher this, but basically the idea is be yourself because people don't, people want to follow a leader that's real more than they want to follow a leader that's perfect. Yeah. Cause first off, everybody knows nobody's perfect. So even if you can somehow put a, bring across this, um, this sort of, uh, vision of being perfect, uh, you know, this facade, people know you're not, but people want to follow somebody who's real. And I think, um, people emotionally connect with people who are real. And following leaders is an emotional commitment, not just a cognitive commitment. You you got to trust that person, love that person, want to be on the journey with that person. Yeah. And uh, I think it's important that there is this level of transparency and authenticity. And um, I know that, you know, especially, I'll just use the example of when you're preaching a sermon, because that's what I do a lot. When you're preaching a sermon and you're really going after something in the text that reveals something in our hearts, one of the best ways to help people put their guards down to actually hear and receive what the Spirit might be saying through that scripture is to be open about, like you said, in a real appropriate level of, you know, appropriate level, and we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, in a real way to say, this is where my struggle is, and I, and I know this struggle well, and here's how God's helping me through this, and, and here's what it can mean for you. And I think it helps people relax and go, Okay, first off, as a leader, you're doing yourself a favor because the last thing you want is people who think you're perfect because then if you struggle, fall, mess up, it's going to be extra devastating, right? But it also invites people in. Now, you you said when you were talking, Mr. TMI himself, <laughs> that you can't share everything. It's interesting because in the context of this talk that Lencioni gave, it probably made more sense, but like an exact quote basically is he said, you, there's no such thing as being too vulnerable. At the same time, I remember reading Andy Crouch's great book on leadership a couple years ago called Strong and Weak. 
And the premise for his book is that there actually is a unhelpful, even detrimental level of transparency for a leader. And he used the example of like the president of the United States who gets briefed every day on crises that honestly average Joe doesn't want to know about. Like there's things happening in our country right now that you and I, we, we probably don't even want to know that they're possibilities. And what Andy Crouch says is essentially when you're so transparent with issues that only you ultimately can do something about, you put a weight on the people that you're leading that they can't, they're, that not only can they not carry it, not only should they not carry it, but because they can't do anything about it, you've actually done an injustice to them uh, by putting that sort of weight on them. So for a pastor, for a leader, let's say a pastor is really struggling with something like depression. For him to um, every week after week come into the church and say, I'm, you know, always talk about it, always focus on it. At some point people are going to, they can't do anything for him. They're not trained counselors. I mean, yes, they can pray for him. So there's a level of accountability that can actually be harmful to the morale of the church and to the effectiveness of your leadership. But then there also has to be an outlet for that transparency at the same time, right? Yeah. So how do you navigate that? Well, that's a very complicated issue. Because no, just give us a little soundbite, please. <laughs> a lot of it depends. Like to use your example you just gave of the depression, um, like I'm thinking in my mind initially, okay, well, it really depends on the relationship he has with the church and the group of people he's preaching to. Yeah, well, let's say it's maybe self-doubt. Like you just, they really doubt themselves. Maybe that's a less, because depression's a clinical, I mean, these all can be clinical issues, but depression's kind of a loaded one to talk about. Well, with, so we could take any issue, right? And I think there's some factors that play into it. Number one, who's your audience? If you're going to guest speak at a church, that's totally different than if you're a 15-year veteran pastor at a church where they know you and trust you you've built up equity um i i think the more equity you have built up relationally it does allow for more vulnerability because the people are not concerned with your vulnerability like they're not concerned with your struggle as if oh he's going to leave oh he he he's not going to be able to handle it. he's a band like you've built up over the years um and that's very different than if you go guest speak somewhere or if you're if you're at a church for, you know, a month or something like that. So I, I tend to think the level of the level of vulnerability goes up with the level of relationship equity. And that's true of friendships. Like I, I, I'm way more vulnerable with my close, close friends than I ever would be with, um, you know, certainly random strangers yeah. or even like, you know, average friends. How does a close, close friend of yours move back towards random stranger <laughs> status so it's not you can't TM, You can't uh, not hear the things that I've told you, okay? <laughs> that ain't going to happen, so. Yeah. I think that, um, so I think there's a there's a tension to navigate here, right? Level amounts of, uh, appropriate, sorry, appropriate levels of transparency. So I might be, I'll just give you an example. Let's say I'm, I have a real heavy concern about, uh, the finances at the church. I need to be fully transparent with the board on that. You know, I think that's not a place to kind of, you know, be a tough guy and be like, oh, we got this. Don't worry about it. Because they're looking at the numbers and ultimately they bear the weight of responsibility. They're trustees of the church. So they sure. have choices to make. But if I get up there week after week and be like, man, we're really, you know, I'm so nervous about our finances. There may be an appropriate time to challenge a church and say, we're in it. We got a need. You know, we got a real challenge before us, and thank you for those of you that are faithfully giving. And if, and if God will um, stretch you to give more, this is a great strategic time, needed time to do so. There's a way to do it, right? So I think vulnerability, I like what you said about as far as like 
um, sort of how long have you been somewhere? How much relationship do you have? And I also think vulnerability narrows the further you get out from your inner circles. So I think there's a right there's a level of vulnerability sure. with those who who bear the relationship the the most and the accountability and the responsibility for whatever you're leading. And then as you start to get out, like you would never go and vi- I would never go greet a visitor at our church for the first time on a Sunday morning and just saying, "Hey, I'm the pastor," and man, I really have a temper sometimes. It just really really scares me. Sure, <laughs> really makes me nervous how angry I get at Jared sometimes. <laughs> But I need to say that to somebody. Well, there's also a way of there's also a way of being vulnerable that's not um, creepy and weird, like you just said, <laughs> right? Like, so take preaching for example. Preaching is a great opportunity because you can be vulnerable without going over the line. And number one, with preaching, your job is not to preach your life. Your job is to right. preach the text. Right. But you can draw as you apply the text. It's very you should, I think be speaking from your own heart and your own life of how this affects. So a few weeks ago, I, I was preaching on um, Old Testament prophet Obadiah. We we're going through the book of Obadiah, and I was talking about, um, I can't remember the pride. We're talking about pride. And and I shared a story from my own life about how this is a this has been an issue. And I use language all throughout, like, so when I'm addressing the crowd, I say, like, some of us in here. So I'm not saying some of you, I'm saying some of us. Like I always include myself in the language that I'm using. You know, we all have this. We all so the way that you talk and the way that you share, even in my intro story, like oftentimes I try I like to tell funny stories and it will always be self deprecating and it, a lot of times I'll use something I think will connect like so I'll tell a funny story about marriage. Like with my own my wife and I, right? That people and and usually I end up being the idiot of the story. Like, look how dumb I am. But everyone in the room can relate, right? And they can go, oh, they they do the same stuff we do. Like they have the same fights we do. That's not like world shattering. Like right. someone's gonna walk away. Own now. Oh, my pastor's marriage is falling apart. But it does make everybody think, ah, oh, they're not perfect either. Yeah, you know. But if that's your intro every week, then <laughs> then people who are kind of aware will be like, geez, I wonder how Pastor Jared's marriage is. Things good. are really... Especially because when you tell the stories, Jen just sits there and crosses her arms and shakes her head and mutters she, under her breath. She yells at me so bad when we get back in the car. <laughs> Leaders who fail to embrace vulnerability, um, one of the things that, um, you know, he said the idea, like, don't let them see you sweat is not a good... You know, let them see you sweat. Let them see you uh, feel the weight of the decisions that you're making and be appropriately vulnerable. So I think we could talk about this more, but let's keep going. Yeah. All right, number three. Number three. So the quick summary, leaders who are leaders for the wrong reasons, leaders who fail to embrace vulnerability. And the third one is a lot like the first one, actually, but it's the idea that we make leadership too important. This idea that we wrap our identity. This is a gospel issue, which we've talked a lot about, the idea that uh, what is your identity? How does your identity form your mission? So if your identity is I'm a successful leader, then your mission becomes, um, you know, basically be successful at any cost, at all cost. And one of the things I remember he said in this talk that was really, you know, I think confronted the audience and myself is he said, at times you need to ask your family, ask your spouse, ask your kids, do you think that my job is more important than you are? Ooh. Or do you think that the health of this church... That's a the, risky the, question, the growth right? of this, Well, it, it is. I think you put your... I think some some family members would love the opportunity to tell you what they think, and some would always dodge it, right, based on yeah. the personalities in the room. So I actually was thinking about... I was thinking a better question... Or if you have people in your family who tend to just be very supportive and encouraging and wouldn't call you out on it, I think a better question would be something like this. Hey, can you help me out? Give me one example of something I do that makes 
that might make you feel like my job is more important than you are. So now you're not asking them to answer the question. You're assuming that there's something you already do, yeah, which I'm sure there probably is, and you're giving them permission to Very say. Very vulnerable of you. Well, you know. Practicing number two, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taking number two, taking a number two, uh, practicing a number two, yep. a number two. <laughs> yeah, all the so, middle schoolers listening to this, you'll love that. Yeah. If there's a single middle schooler listening to the Multiply podcast week after week, we would love to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we would. Because you're probably a fantastic little leader. Yeah. Um, no, so, I love that. I love so that. talk a little bit about this, the idea of making leadership too important. I do feel like we do, we, we did talk about this the first time around, but slight, slightly different angle. Uh, this is less about motivation, and this is more about identity. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a constant struggle. If you, if, if you don't realize this is a struggle for you, you probably just haven't really realized it mm. because I think this is a struggle for anybody that's in leadership. And to your point, you said this is a gospel issue, which in my, I interpret that as meaning this is a daily issue that I have to take before God and lay the gospel over my own heart because I will, my motivation so easily gets distracted from what it should be to other things that it's, it's, it's not even funny how fast it happens. Mm-hmm. So if I don't every day go to this, and I don't always, sometimes I, sometimes I, I forget or get into bad habits or whatever but daily i need to bring my heart back to this i need to assess what am i doing god what why am i here why am i doing this thing because at the end of the day it's for you and wherever you want me whatever you want me to do and i think that's important like you you gave the example earlier if you stripped all this away from me i will still be just as content just as happy to serve you in whatever way it looks Mm -hmm. and i think um yeah, I think I think I need that. I know I do, and I know I know most people do. I think part of yeah, that's really good, man. I think part of what he was bringing out in this point, now that I'm thinking about it a little more, is he he was saying that like you know in our workplace we tend to create a culture of feedback, or at least we should, and so we get more feedback from our employees, from our peers, from the people that are in our infected by or affect, affected by our ministry or organizational leadership. We get more of that feedback than we get family feedback. It's certainly more intentional and more structured and. He's saying, you know, what matters most at the end of the day, obviously, is who you are in Christ. But also, when you start to create a hierarchy of what matters most, I think you and I, who both have children, at the end of our lives, like, what we're going to look back at and really care about the most is our, our, you know, 20 years from now, do our wives still want to be married to us? You know, 20 years from now, do our children still love, do they love Jesus? Are they following Jesus? Do they know that I love them? Um, and so, you know, the old saying, like, um, you know, if it's going to matter, then it has to matter now. And when we make leadership too important, ultimately something gets placed on the altar. And sometimes it's being a, being a, a present dad, um, being a, a generous spouse, um, being a good neighbor. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of things that we forfeit when we make leadership the purpose and goal of our lives. And don't you think, though, as a good leader, our desire should be to lead people into into health in their whole life and so we should want to be mm-hmm. an example of that mm-hmm. like if i'm a business owner I, I we should as business owners want our employees to be great fathers and great neighbors and great husbands and great wives and all that mm-hmm. so um i think we have to model that instead of just squeezing the people we lead for everything we can get out of them to uh, a better profit margin or a better sunday uh, more services, more small groups, whatever the thing is, we should lead people because we want them to be great people. And obviously the the only way you do that is by leading by example. Yeah. 
Sweet, man. Well, that's all been good, but let's get to the real stuff, mm-hmm. real leadership stuff. A little portion we like to call David's Eats. David's Eats. Now, you and I just went away together in a totally leadership context. Yep. A conference for, for a few days yes, in Orlando, sir. Florida. Orlando in August. Nothing like it. Yeah. It was beautiful, beautiful, mm-hmm. sweaty, muggy, hot. But uh, I had to throw away all the clothes I wore down there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Um, we ate some food. I'd like to hear from that trip. Yeah. What do you? What was the best thing yeah. you ate? I well, think I know the answer, but I'm we had to um, hear. we had cream barbecue, which was average, but, all you can eat. But even bad cream barbecue still that's a tasty meal. Yeah. We went to a Colombian restaurant that was pretty good. But I think the best thing that was good. The best thing I ate. Now I had gone on three weeks without carbs and sugar, and we went to this place called Hash House A Go Go. And there's multiple locations around the country. And um, they have this chicken and waffles dish. And you and I uh, shared it. We got Oh, you got a hash, too. We kind of we, we got separate. We got our own dinners, but then we kind of shared a little bit. Um, Not weird at all, folks. No. Oh, no. It's all totally about normal. trying as much food as you can. That's right. First off, they brought out these massive biscuits. Now, I haven't eaten. Again, I hadn't eaten bread in three weeks. Smothered in like a honey, honey butter. butter. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we cut it. We cut it. They, were, they got. They brought us three of them because there was three of us, and we were pretty disciplined. We shared one. Yeah. the three of us, and yeah. then you ate the other two at the hotel later. Um, <laughs> True, I ate one. Okay, yeah. Um, but anyway, they had chicken and waffles, and for an extra dollar, you can make the chicken Nashville style, which just means it's it's hot. And um, it's just massive. I mean, I put a picture up on my Instagram story. It's just this massive, two huge chicken breasts. Um, actually, it must have been more than chicken breasts because it was on the bone, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then, like, two, my mouth is watering. Two or three big waffles. And it cooked into the waffles with slices of bacon. Yeah. And then they had fried leeks on top. They had some tomatoes on there, which I know you didn't really like. Um, and then maple syrup. And, boy, I crushed it then you got this really good scramble with like potatoes jalapeno and chorizo yeah. hash. oh that's right that's right yeah. and i got in the car afterwards and felt like garbage but <laughs> did was, you really but it was worth every single bite I felt amazing well i felt like a champion yeah well that says something about your uh your eating habits that's right it was great Hey, everybody. If you're in Orlando, go check out Hash Hash A Go Go. Or Hash House House A Go Go. -go. (laughs) Hash Hash. Hash Hash. We'll see you guys next time. This is the Multiply Podcast. Peace.